will with thee. Unto you will return all the grace and all the honor and all the adoration. Let your name be glorified. Even as we gather as your children at your feet, this hour we ask that we learn of the Holy Spirit. That the entrance of your word may illuminate our heart and bring us light and understanding so that at the end we may be your children whom you want us to be. To the glory and to the praise of your name. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's be seated. I hope our days have not been so long. So how has your day been? Good. Amen. Let the righteous say, it is well. Amen. Hallelujah. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Amen. Um, quickly, we, we're just going to do a recap um, on what we learned last Sunday. Um, and I'd like to start by asking if we have questions, if there is any question that is already um, bothering your mind or that you would need some clarification. I think we can start from there. Um, quickly, since this is a, a time for questioning. It's Bible study time, so we have the opportunity to ask questions. We discussed last week, uh, last Sunday, not last week, um, about the, what did we title it? We said a man and a woman. <laughs> a good man or a good woman from the sight of God. Amen. Yeah, a good man or a good woman from the side of God. So we're looking at what a good man is from the perspective of God. And so we try to look at Jesus and we try to look at the story of Cornelius. And um, we brought out some points, um, starting from the beginning, how that the intention of God from the beginning has not changed. When God made man created man, created the word, as a matter of fact, and at the end of the day, created man and woman, the Bible says, and God looked at everything he has made, and it was very good. So that means there was no evil. Everything was good, as far as God was concerned, until sin came into the sin. So after the fall, we realized that evil came in. So... It was no longer a clean slate. Good. Evil came in. And so because God is a merciful God, there was a plan um, to actually rescue man. So we saw that played out in salvation. Jesus came. The Bible says he came to restore that which was lost. So the original plan that God has from the beginning Jesus came to restore that which was lost. And so we knew from the history of the Bible that after the fall, man lost his place. Right? So we have evil come into the world, evil come into the heart of man. And there were several made um, that we know was not good uh, as a result of that incident. So God had to sent Jesus to restore the original plan, which was to have eternity restored. 
God intended to spend eternity with us. So Jesus came and restored that. And part of the restoration also was the ability to restore good. And that's why we went to the book of Acts of Apostles, chapter 10, where we read from verse 38, say how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and delivering those that were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Amen? So we knew right there that everything Jesus did, not only did he restore eternal uh, salvation unto us, he also restored that good. And that's why the Bible um, buttressed the point saying that he went about doing good, which was the original plan, so that the earth who enjoy God's original plan of goodness. Amen? Amen? And so we saw that played out in his life. Amen. And so in our lifetime, once we, you know, now accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the opportunity, because Jesus is in us, we have the opportunity to affect our world, just like God intended from the beginning, to affect our world with goodness. We have the opportunity. So even though in our heart we know, the Bible said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? We know, right, even in our heart, we still have the proclivity, okay, to the tendency to still think, you know, evil, or sometimes slip into the other side. But that's no longer who we are. We are now restored as a result of salvation as sons and daughters of the living God, and sometimes, because of that heart, which we have now that shows the picture, of, I try to use pictures to show that good and evil still exist. Because I still have tendency, I still have some thoughts sometimes that are not right. But the Holy Spirit is there to help me, right, to correct it, to start steering me towards good. Amen? Amen. And so we read from Matthew, book of Matthew chapter 12. And we read from there in the last, um, in verse 35, he said, A good man out of the good treasure of the earth bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. From the same heart, it is possible to produce either result. Amen? So for us, we're trusting God to help us so that the goodness in our heart will overshadow the evil tendency that, want, that is wanting to draw us back. Amen? So that's our uh, prayers. So we decided to study Cornelius. So why is Cornelius a very good character to study? We saw, as we read in the story of Cornelius, some things that you will expect to only see happening in the life of a Christian. The Bible told us that he was a devout, a devout man. And the message version said, a thoroughly good man. Right? He feared God. He had a habit of prayer. Not just praying, but a habit of prayer. He's going about helping people. People in need. It's almost as if everything you see you know, um, said concerning Jesus in verse 35 of Acts of Apostles, 
they were all in Cornelius. And so our, um, our job is to look at the lives of Cornelius and try to see how God can help us to learn. Here is my take from that. If Cornelius could do what the Bible records he did, prayer to him receiving the Holy Spirit. If I now have the Holy Spirit, I think God will expect more. Do you agree? I think God will expect more. And that's my challenge. And that's why I say, oh, wow. Wow. Prayer to this man getting baptized into the Holy Spirit. All these things were listed concerning him. And um, if I can just read again to us, so as to just um, take us back into what was said concerning him, you know, he said he was a thoroughly good man. He feared God. He led everyone in his house. Everyone. And that, that, that's just a key for me. 100%. Okay? I don't know how many of us are at 100% in terms of leading our household to the Lord. I'm not there yet. Okay? Not there at all. So this man, prior to receiving the Holy Spirit, led everyone in his house. Keep in mind, he was a soldier, a decorated soldier, captain of the, of the, in the military. So he had many servants, many soldiers serving him, apart from his immediate family. And God is telling us that this man led everyone in his house to live worshipfully. Okay? Towards God. And we're also told that he was a very generous man. He was going about helping people that were in need before he received the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then he had a prayer habit. And people around him, the Bible says he was an Italian, right? An Italian captain. And when his servant went to deliver the message to Peter, they talked about the fact that everyone in the Jews' colony, everyone knows him, knows that he's a fair man, which means his testimony was not just within his household. The entire community, the entire Jews, keep in mind he was not a Jew. He was an Italian, an Italian soldier, according to the record of the Bible. And everyone in Jew around him could testify to all these things. That was what they told Peter. Amen? These are the things that, you know, get me thinking about this man called Cornelius. So the ultimate was that his out of goodness, his, his generosity, his prayer life, everything he has been doing, the Bible said brought him to God's attention. All those things brought him to God's attention. It gets me really interested in him, in learning about his life, you know, and learning about everything that God is saying concerning him. Because once you can get God's attention, it, it's, it's over. It's done. Everything is done. That's one thing that I think every one of us 
could use the rest of our life craving for. Just having God on our side. Having God's attention. Amen? Very few people you know, manage to do that. To get God's attention. Okay? And so that I think um, is something for us to think about. Amen? And why he had God's attention. Guess what happened? Everything he needs was released to him. Because the moment the agent, angel came to him and said, everything you've been doing has brought you to God's attention. Here is what you need to do. If there is anything we need more than anything now, it's God's directives. God's directives. If God could just tell you what you need to do, what you need to do, that's it. Because we are in, we're in a world in such, you know, we, we are in a world wherein on a daily basis we are encouraged with so many things. There are so many um, thoughts, there are so many desires, there are so many um, needs, and all we need is God telling us what we need to do. Amen? So God gave him specific instructions, details, there was nothing missing. The address he should go to, the person he is going to see, and he did exactly as God told him. No question asked. Amen? So, looking at the life of Cornelius, what, what do we stand to learn? Or what do we see? How do we evaluate this life? Just oppose that with the fact that Jesus went about doing good. And God was giving us this same story in the same scripture where we were told Jesus went about doing good. What would you think God is expecting from us as a response? I mean, that's an open question. What, what do we think God's expectations are in crafting this story in Acts of, um, of Apostles chapter 10, telling us about Jesus, how that Jesus anointed I mean, God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good. Okay? And then he was telling us about a good man called Cornelius. And he gave us the story of his life. Everything he did that got him God's attention. And how God's, God's attention led him into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And everyone that he invited. And I mean, the key point again, you can see his lifestyle. When he went, I mean, sent for Peter and was waiting for Peter, he has gone ahead inviting everyone in the neighborhood to come to his house. So not only was his household baptized, Everyone, the friends, the associates, and all those that he invited got impacted by 
the same blessings of God. I mean, what exactly is God trying to tell us here? And what do you think God is expecting for us to learn from this story? Any taker? Any taker? What will our response be? I mean, then, I mean, what if, you know, if you like, what should my response be? What is God telling me to do? By giving me the opportunity to learn about Cornelius. What could God be telling us? Or what should the response? Okay? I think to emulate Cornelius' life in our own life, but to not just stop there, to take it further. Not just to stop at our own households, but to take it past that and his going away message, taking it to the nations and things like that. But starting with one family at a time, not just your own. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. I mean, if we go back to the beginning, the original plan that I keep mentioning, I love the song that actually told me about the original. I mean, I don't think it could be more perfect. The exact thing God had in mind, okay? And that was the epiphany I got when I was doing the drawings. That, okay, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man, and man had eternal life then there was an impact to his, the world he has created, goodness, right? And as I was studying the life of Cornelius, it was just explicit, right? Remember, he was not having eternal life yet, right? And that's why God knew exactly what he needed. So God had to send him to Peter so as to get eternal life, which is the individual benefit. But the community benefit, which is the goodness that God wanted to, the earth to enjoy, Cornelius was already doing it. Cornelius was already a blessing to his community, to his household first, then to his community. I thought that was very, very instructional. Yes, sir. I think, I think we just touched um, uh, the core of, of the story. In other words, um, it wasn't really, was it really his goodness? Was it really his goodness that uh, brought him the salvation? Because the essence is that he was good, he was devout, he prayed, he did all those, uh, you know, what we might call, you know, the, you know, the good works. The good works. But the story still tells us that he, he wasn't saved. So he did the good works, but he wasn't saved. And so God said, hey, I'm going to send you to somebody who is going to give you the good news through which you will be saved. Because if Cornelius was not saved, from what we know from the scriptures, he died, he will go to hell. 
even with all of his goodness. So, what I'm getting from this uh, story is that it is not our, it's not the good works that we do that brings us righteousness. Righteousness, which is the avenue to heaven, is that we are born again. Cornelius was not born again. And so, even as born again believers, in fact, before you can be seen as good in the eyes of God, because goodness is one of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, goodness. And therefore, there is no unbeliever who can be good in the sight of God. And I believe that was why when that, uh, was it the, the young ruler went, went to Jesus and said, good, te good teacher, what should I do so that I can have eternal life? And Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? I think Jesus was telling him, see, there is nothing that you would do in order to be good. Goodness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And unless you are born again, baptized by the Holy Spirit, and then the fruit of the Holy Spirit being love, joy, goodness being there, that is the good that can begin to manifest through us. So, um, we see people, you know, the philanthropist. I would say uh, Cornelius was almost like a philanthropist because he was generous, he prayed. I don't know to which God he prayed. You know, I'm not. I'm not very sure of that. But he probably that he had, he had a habit. A of habit prayer. of prayers. Yeah, you're very right. I agree yeah. totally. Yeah. My point is that, I mean, which is why we said, um, God, everything He has done up to that point brought Him to God's attention, according to the Bible, right? So, which means whatever he has done up to that point is good. It caught God's attention. In order for it not to be a waste, God had to rescue him. God brought him into the kingdom. So, if what he did got him God's attention, according to the Bible, the challenge for me and you as a Christian is if I now have the Holy Spirit, okay. Exactly. So what would God's expectation be? Okay, I'm already saved. I already have the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I'm trying to use that. Just let me take your mind back to, um, you know, the book of Isaiah chapter 6, right? When it said, in the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, right? So, it's almost as if God is trying to challenge us, okay? Because sometimes we try to think um, that, you know, when we talk about Jesus, it might just be we're thinking of his deity, not his humanity. And we use that as an excuse not to be able to do what he did, right? 
but he said as he is, so are we. So in order to, you know, bring the point home, the goodness did not save him. He got him God's attention. Then God gave him what he needed. That's why I love the word. Say, he will tell you what you need to do. Right? So, but the lesson, I think God wanted us to learn, you know, the original plan of his creation. Because everything we saw in that scripture kind of parallel the original plan of God. That as believer, we have now been restored back. We now have eternity with God. But that's not all. There is the other side. What does that mean to the world? So as a believer, I'm a believer. I, I have eternal life now. I've been restored by, through the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid the price. And now I'm born again. What does that do to the world that God had created? And that's what we saw in the life of Cornelius. Every believer, God is expecting what was demonstrated in the life of Cornelius. God is expecting every believer to do the same. That is within the reach and the capability of the Holy Spirit to help us to have a prayer habit, right? That's one of the things that was mentioned. To help us to be generous, to be able to help those that are in need. Those should be our lifestyle. I think that's what God is teaching us, right? And also to ensure that the community we serve or the community where we live now benefits from the kingdom work that is done in us. Because it will be of no use for God to leave me here after getting born again, you know, if there is no expectation. I mean, I should just get born again and, and go. Right? And get raptured. If I get born again and I'm here on earth, I think God is expecting what was said concerning Jesus to be repeated in every one of us. Because the Bible said he went about doing good and helping all those that were in need because God was with him. So I believe we have God with us right now. And so what else do we need? Yes, sir. You know, for, for, for me, the uh, essence of this story is really not the goodness of Cornelius, but the goodness of God. Because God so desperately wants to see people saved that if he finds the person who is earnestly, seriously seeking him, regardless of whether you're praying to the wood or whether you're praying to the wall, as long as you're desiring to know God, yes. like he said, we don't know what God he was praying to, mm -hmm. 
But there's something about, he understood something about the nature of God. Mm-hmm. That God is in its essence a good God That's who it. does good things. That's and it. so if I'm seeking a good God, there are certain things that attributes that I associate in my own human understanding with that goodness. And so, based on my understanding of the goodness of God, I do that which I know to do. And as I do that faithfully, God then meets me where I am. Absolutely. And then takes me in the rest of the way. Absolutely. You see that with the story of Dorcas as well. Okay. Because it was her good works, essentially, mm-hmm. that got her credit. So, so um, the essence is it. Do what you know to do. Do it honestly and sincerely. And make room for God to take you the rest of the way. Because Amen. God wants you to be saved more than you want to be saved. Absolutely. That's the key. That's, and, and again, it is consistent in the scriptures and in the plan of God. Saul of Tarsus is a critical example. It was a tyrant. Okay? But he was zealously doing what he was doing. But it was zealously wrong. Right? But because of... The attitude, God needed to say, you know what? This is a good candidate. And God saved him. Right? And so that is very perfectly, you know, um, the character of God. So the point is, how does this challenge you? How does this challenge you? You know, if... A man that was not saved, like Cornelius, right? And God gave us the story of things that he was doing that got him God's attention. If a man like Saul of Tarsus, okay, with all his activities, even though it was on the negative, you know, Cornelius was on the positive, but Paul was on the negative, and yet that does not stop God. From seeking him out. Because God knew he was going to impart the word he had created. And I think that's one thing that is so critical for me in this story. The impact of Cornelius on his household. Right? And then his community. I think is so critical. Right? And we can see that, you know, this is an example for us. Not that God wanted us to follow Cornelius, but he was using his story to paint a picture for us. Because I read also when the angel, after the angel spoke to Cornelius, the Bible said he called everyone in his household and told them everything. That's not typical of a soldier. I have a military background. Okay? You don't, I mean, it's just not typical for you to call your, you know, direct reports or your, your it's, it's just not. Okay? So there is something about him. And that's why I so much love the fact that, you know, the Bible used the word brought you into God's attention. So there are some character, you know, characters in him that God saw, you know, and God realized this one is ready. And salvation was extended to him and he grabbed it. So, as a Christian, that we are already saved, we already have the Holy Spirit. I think I'm struggling to understand what do we want to do. I mean, because the Bible says, oh man, 
You are inexcusable. You are inexcusable. You know, it challenged me and I begin to look inward fresh. I begin to look into my family. How can I get to 100%? How can I be an influence such that every member of my house will come to know him? That's all. It was merely an influence. So I have the Holy Spirit. I'm born again. How can I become an influence that every member of my household we come to know the Lord so that I can, you know, I, I can see a hundred percent that there is no member of my household that will go to hell. That's one challenge that I want you to think about. Right? The next is, it was testified concerning him, even though he was an Italian soldier, that every Jew in that community where he lives, could testify of his fairness. Okay? So, what do I need to do to make that happen? I have the Holy Spirit. I am already born again. Kilo Kumiku was the question that guy was asking. What else? Say, I've been keeping all this from my youth. What else do I lack? And the challenge I want us to challenge ourselves is, what else do I lack? What do I need? If I'm born again and I already have the Holy Spirit, how can I be impactful for the kingdom of God in my community? That should be the challenge because that's the challenge I got from the story. There is another level. At my place of work, because I cast my mind back to when I was in the military, I don't have that kind of rapport. To the degree that you can bring those who are working under you and you can expose your life to them like he did. I just begin to think about it. What do I need to do so that I can influence or be impactful where I work. What do I need to do? So these are the questions that I'm expecting that the Holy Spirit will help us, you know, begin to figure out, begin to ask ourselves. Because I don't think the hands of the Lord is shut to make this happen. But if we don't begin to question and begin to get dissatisfied with the status quo, I think we're going to remain where we are. But when we get this kind of opportunity to learn, I think God is expecting to challenge us and wanting us to come back to him and ask him these questions. Amen? Don't you think so? Because it's a challenge to me, you know, especially the fact that he has, you know, he was not yet baptized, he was not yet born again. So that, to me, I just can't get past it. And I already have the Holy Spirit. Okay? So I, I just, I want God to help me to understand how I can move in the direction of his original plan. Amen? Quickly, one, I, I have um, 
few more points. Um, having dealt with that, do we have any questions before I proceed? Because there are three characters in these stories that I wanted us to uh, evaluate. We've, we've talked a little bit about Jesus. We've talked, talking about Cornelius. There's one more. There's Peter in this story. So we want to look at Peter quickly as well. Amen? And see what God is trying to teach us in this story. If you go back to that scriptures, you recall when the angel said, uh, well, let's start from the beginning. The Bible talks about Peter in this story as well. And we were told that um, Acts of Apostles chapter 10, I'm trying to see where I can read from. Okay, so in verse 9, from verse 9 to 13, in my message version, it says, The next day, as the three travelers were approaching the town, Peter went out on the balcony to pray. It was about noon. Okay? So it was about noon, and that would be <clears throat> the sixth hour. So, Peter got hungry. And started thinking about lunch. <laughs> I wonder how you know. <laughs> While lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the skies open, open up. Sometimes something that looked like a huge blanket lowered by ropes, at least four corners settled on the ground. Every kind of animals and reptile and bird you could think of was on it. Then a voice came, go to eat, Peter, kill, and eat. Peter said, oh, no, Lord. Okay, let's begin from there. Cornelius, before he got born again, was praying. I think he was in the third hour or either the third or the sixth hour. Okay? And he saw a vision similar to Peter, right? And God spoke to him. The next verse, the Bible said, immediately after that, he responded immediately without question, right? In fact, let's read it. Let's look at it. I want us to compare so that because there's a reason God, when God puts these things together, there's a reason. Okay, let's look at Cornelius' vision or encounter. In verse, um, the same chapter, Acts of Apostles, chapter 10 from verse 4. Cornelius, uh, no, sorry, let's start, uh, go back a little bit. Right, okay. So, uh, one day, about 3 o'clock, so that's the ninth hour. Do we understand the hours in the Bible? Okay, you start from 6 o'clock. That's the first hour, seven is the um, second hour, you know, I mean, sorry, seven, sec uh, first hour, eight, second hour, nine is the third hour. So the Jews, they kind of divide the days into hours, and when you hear the third hours, it's talking about nine o'clock in the morning, okay? When it says the, uh, the sixth hour, it's talking about noon. That's 12 p.m. in the afternoon. Night hour is talking about 3 p.m., okay? 
So that's just the way Jews um, kind of divide the day by hours. So for Cornelius, it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He had a vision, an angel of God, as real as his next door neighbor, <laughs> came in and said, Cornelius, Cornelius. Um, then Cornelius stared hard, wondering if he was seeing things. Then he said, what do you want, sir? You know, that's typical of soldiers. We do sir for everyone. Okay? <laughs> what do you want, sir? And I know the King James Version said, Lord. I believe the King James Version said, Lord. The King James, Lord. Right. Okay? Say, Lord. <laughs> the angel said, your prayers and neighborly earth have brought you to God's attention. Here is what you are to do. Send men to Joppa to get Simon, the one everyone calls Peter. He is staying with Simon, the tanner, whose house is down by the sea. All the details. Look at verse 7 and 8 from my version. It says, as soon as the angel was gone, as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two servants and one particular devout soldier from the guard. He went over with them in great detail everything that had just happened. Okay, so here's my point. Just oppose that with Peter's response. No, Lord. Okay? Peter knew God was the one talking to him. He knew he was having a conversation with God in that vision, and yet he's still saying no. What does that tell us as Christians? An unbeliever that is yet to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. God spoke to him. He carried out in the instruction immediately. No question asked. A believer, not just a believer, I mean, an apostle, not just an apostle, one among the three, not just one among the three, but the one that God said, based on your confession, Upon your confession, I will build my church. Peter was one of the leading leaders among the apostles and was saying, no, Lord. Amen? I thought that, that, you know, that caused me to pause a little bit. And the reason is because, you know, with my military background, you don't ever say no to your master. I mean, it, it is just, it is an anathema. It's yes, sir. You are stupid? Yes, sir. There cannot be no to your master. It's not in our dictionary. <laughs> it is, it's, it's as simple as that. It has to be yes, sir. So Cornelius without the Holy Spirit is saying yes, sir. Apostle Peter is saying no, sir. <laughs> the process may be the background. As a fisherman. Amen. I thought that is critical. That is critical. Meaning, if I'm hearing God, God is talking to me, why in the world will I ever say no to God? Why will I be teaching God Bible study? 
Amen. He, he, he literally, he, that's his word. He said, no, Lord, from, you know from, I mean, from the day I was born again, I've never, you know, looked on a woman. And some of us say that. That's exactly what Peter was saying. Not verbatim. But he said, no, Lord. Oh. So that, you know, I will, not, I will not do such a thing. Eating this kind of thing. And here's the key. You know, God was always doing this to teach us. He said, do not call common. You know, what God has already approved. And that's the key for me. A lesson that God was trying to teach us. One, that we don't say no to God. We respond in faith. Even when we don't understand. We respond in faith. Even when we don't understand. And also, you know, let me, let's read this. Because Peter got it. So you will see that it was a lesson. If you go to... Uh, when Peter got to Cornelius' house, um, he said something that will let you see. Uh, verse, uh, let me start from verse 34. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It is God's own truth. I'm sorry, it is God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are. Please pay attention to that. God plays no favorites. Okay? It makes no difference who you are or where you are from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere among everyone. Okay? Um, there's one more. Uh, okay. Oh, yes. Let's go to verse 27. 27, it says, Taking things over, they went on into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. Peter addressed them. You know, okay, you know I am sure that this is highly irregular. Jews just don't do this. Visit and relax with people of another race. But God has just shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came. No question asked. Did you know the angel actually said don't ask any question? Yeah. So here is the lesson here. It does God plays no favorites. Okay? As Christians, we are color blind. We are gender blind. We are, uh, what other one? Race blind. 
Okay, and don't take it the other way. Amen? It means that in the kingdom of God, everyone is equal. There is equality. God expects for us to learn that from this story. Okay? So that wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I recognize the other person and I can give him equal value. I evaluate him or evaluate him based on the standard of God. And that's what we are seeing God teaching us about Peter. So I thought that was also very significant. I just want us to pay attention to that. So if God says it is okay, then it is okay. That's what the angel was saying. Whoever is born again is a child of God and is or she, he or she is as equal as you are. He or she is as equal as I am. Okay? Amen? Amen. So God expects for us to learn that from this story. No race is better than the other. And I wish our politicians can learn that as well. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So we learn about Jesus Christ in a recap how God anointed him. God had anointed us. We have been anointed just like Jesus is anointed with the same Holy Ghost. With the same Holy Ghost. Amen. So we have been anointed. God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power. And we have been anointed as well. Okay? And he went about doing good. We have been saved. We have eternal life with Jesus. The other part that God wants us to add is what does that salvation do to our world? The fact that I'm born again, I'm spirit-filled, what does it do to my world and the world around me? And I think that's our take-home um, point. What am I going to do with that? Knowing fully well that there is an expectation from God. There's an expectation beginning from my house to impact my house with God's goodness. And if you have time, if you are like me, I will go ahead and study what God's goodness means. Okay, we said some things that we read in the scriptures as characteristics of good men and good women, and I don't think anyone will fought that. I think those are actually, definitely, things that the Holy Spirit can help us manifest. Amen? So let's look at those characteristics and let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us manifest those. So that because those are the things that are going to impact our world. You already got something. You have eternal life. You're going to spend eternity with Jesus as long as you're born again. Now what is the world going to get out of that? Is the question. And that's the essence of this Discussion. Okay? A good man and a good woman in the sight of God. What is the world going to get? So that goodness part is what we are trying to learn. How do we manifest it? 
how do we hone on to the Holy Spirit to help us manifest that? Because now we have the Holy Spirit and it's one of his fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Goodness is, is there. And that should be worth everyone that we touch, everyone we relate with, everyone we know, they should enjoy that. It should be a free gift to our generation. Amen? Amen? Any question? Do we have any question? Yes, ma'am. Yes, um, just a quick one. When you were talking about the sheet that was brought down and Peter said, um, not so, don't you think God was trying to say that um, we are to minister to all manner of people on earth. We shouldn't be discriminatory. Absolutely. You know, and, and I don't even think he was talking about Christians here. Mm -mm. He was just talking generally about people we come across, Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, Hinduists, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Yes, you're very right because that's, that's what Peter's, you know, we can see from Peter's um, um, uh, explanation when he got to Cornelius, he, he was actually telling them because it's not customary for a Jew to have relationship with any other person, let alone come into their house to relax, to have dinner, or to. It is just, um, it is it is out of custom. It's not, it's not lawful, and so and God is trying to, and God is telling him that. You know, it shouldn't continue. And I think it was, it, it, it was meant for us, for us to learn that, that that should not continue. Because with God, he has no boundary. God loves the entire world equally. He wants us to impact with goodness, okay, both Jews and Gentiles. Because the Jews are, you know, those that thought they, you know, they're special in the sight of God, and then the Gentiles are the other, every other person. So, absolutely right. That's the lesson. God, that's why I wanted us to look at that part too. You know, so we don't miss that. God wants us to begin to manifest that. Okay? In the church. I know we've talked about click and click and click and click. Okay? We have to have a way for God to help us overcome it. Because that's what God is saying. Okay? There should not be discrimination in the church or in the body of God, of Christ. Amen? That's, that's a very good one. Any other question before we pray? Yes. Um, I do not have a question, but um, uh, just to uh, reflect on what you said about being an influence. So... <clears throat> I have a quick testimony about how God revealed to me to be an influence um, to understand that I am saved and a lot of destinies are attached to the fact that I am saved. So the example that I had is just simply my father. My father was a very, very violent man, a very promiscuous man, but he was good. But just that part was not right. And he had three wives. And uh, my, fam my mom being the third. But all of his ten children disliked him, hated him for everything he was doing to each and every one of his wives. And I was really hating him with a passion growing up as a teenager. 
But in church, one day we learn about forgiveness. And I truly asked God to help me. And two years after that sermon, I realized that I really forgave my father. And I loved him. And it was not long after I came here to the U.S. And when I came here to the U.S., my father fell sick. And I was the only child that was reaching out to him and reaching out to him. And he died of leukemia. But two weeks before he died of leukemia, I had the opportunity to lead him to Christ. And the Lord showed that to me in a vision. Uh, it was... He, it was that in that vision, he was like in the sky, and Jesus was there, and he was showing me my father. He was telling me, You see where he is now, and I knew for sure he was saved. So, my and from that point on, I learned not to play with my salvation. I know that a lot of people, not only in our family, but wherever we go, we have something to give in Jesus' name. Absolutely, amen, amen. All right, so any other question? A good man or a good woman in the sight of God, we have the Holy Spirit. So we are good men and good women. I didn't hear amen. <laughs> amen. We are good men and good women in the sight of God because we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> amen. I was expecting amen for that. Amen. amen. Okay. <laughs> Not only do we have the Holy Spirit because you mentioned you know, the evil you know, the evil in the heart <laughs> but we also have a new heart. Right. We also have a new a heart. Teachable heart. Yes, a heart of flesh. Yes, it's a heart of flesh. Um, uh, you know, a born again person does not have an evil heart. The evil, the, you know, the sin is actually in the body, it's not in the heart. We have a heart upon which God has shed his love, agape. Mm -hmm. We have a heart upon which God has written his, his laws. We have a good heart, but we make sometimes we make wrong choices. <laughs> I, I, I will agree with you in, a, in part, okay. but I disagree in the point that um, Proverbs chapter 4, yes. verse 18, say, guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it comes all the issues of life. So if all the issues of life comes out of our heart, if I manifest or produce an evil character, where is it coming from? From my heart. Okay? So that's the thing. We don't, God has given us a fleshy heart. He has given us, he, he has released unto us a heart of flesh that is teachable. And that's what the Holy Spirit is teaching us. And that's what the Bible says, you have, I mean, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us, teaching us. So, and by faith, we should believe. We should believe that God has given us a new heart. But you should understand your heart has a tendency for evil. Otherwise, you will not think evil. You will not have a thought coming from your heart that is not good. Right? So, um, not in a negative way for us to think that, well, <laughs> I'm an evil man. Okay? So, um, we are 
good men and good women in the sight of God because God is looking at us from the perspective of Jesus. He's not looking at us from the perspective of humanity or flesh. Okay? But in our flesh, we know the Bible said it specifically that there is good treasure and evil treasure in the heart. And so he said, you know, the good man will bring the good treasure and it is possible to bring the evil treasure as well. I mean, and, and so that's, that's not, you know, to say that we're going about with evil heart because these thoughts are still there, whether we like it or not. It's not going to change physically until the day we are changed. When we put on the flesh, like he rightly said, in our flesh, our heart is part of our flesh. So when we put it off, it will be gone. And at that point, there will be no such evil at all because it was good in the beginning and it has to be good at the end of the day. That's why the Bible says we do not know what we shall be like, but when we see him, we shall be like him. Amen? All right, let's just pray quickly and bow our head and talk to God. Let's talk to God. The key point here is when that goodness does not grant us salvation, but goodness is a spirit of the is a fruit of the spirit. God is teaching us that having been saved, we have the ability to do good. We have the ability in Jesus to do good. We can produce goodness because Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in us. So I want us to just use that as a point of prayers so that from beginning, you know, beginning from our home, the goodness will be manifested. Will we impart our word with the salvation that we have received from God? God is expecting for us to impart our word with goodness. God is expecting for us to be able to influence people in our house to worship him. People in our place of work to worship him. People in our community to worship him. God is looking to use us. And the way he's going to do those, those things is by us manifesting the spirit. Manifesting the fruit of the spirit. And which is the, good, which is the goodness we're talking about. Love. You know, um, righteousness, steadfastness, all those things, kindness, long-suffering. By manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, we will begin to impact our community. Let's talk to God. Cornelius did some marvelous things that God commended and brought him to God's attention. We have the Holy Spirit. He did not. God gave it to him at the end of the day. So I think we can challenge God and ask him to help us. As long as we refuse to be satisfied with the status quo, I believe God is more than willing to give us the kingdom. That's what the Bible says. Let's talk to God concerning your family, concerning everyone in the, in, in, the, in the sphere of your influence, that you will begin to manifest the goodness of God that has been given unto you by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we desire according to your will, that you will help us. You will help us to manifest your life that you have given unto us. That every obstacle and every obstruction will be removed. Lord, we know that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. 
as we go beginning from now. Those who have been manifesting, we continue to strengthen them to manifest more. For us who are still trying to get there, you will help us. Help us, Almighty God, to impart our word with your goodness. Because we know we are good men and good women of God. Because we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in us. So as we go tonight, we go in your grace. We go in your strength to impart our word positively for Jesus. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, I don't know.